So our, our next guest here, who's already been here, uh, Mr. Drew Watson, those are some of his accolades there. He was telling me earlier at break that he's been CAC more than what's there. So we know that 13, 14 times. So, so Drew, let's talk a little bit about your niche marketing. You, you, you really have three primary niches. There's, there's two companies um, mm -hmm. and then there's one industry. So why don't we piggyback on what Trevor was saying. Let's talk about the companies and, and how they became niches and some of the things that you've done to really let that flower and bloom. I thought we'd talk intermittent fasting and take our shirts off. <laughs> that'll, be the, that'll be the after that's hour. Not, that's next month. That's <laughs> next month. That's the Cinemax After Dark version. Right. Well, uh, in, in all seriousness, yes, we, we, you know, we, we've got several niches we're focused on, but, you know, generally probably our, our first was a couple of businesses in the gas pipeline business. And a lot like, uh, you know, Trevor was saying, you know, we, we kind of started with a trickle. We got into the company and were able to do workplace financial planning benefits. We did uh, seminars up and down the pipeline for them. But we really became the expert. Yep. So, so uh, and, um, you know, as Trevor said, you know, be a self-proclaimed expert. As Bosco Watson would say, a self-ordained minister. So be a self-ordained expert on where you are in your niche, and, and that will go a long way. And as you develop, um, you know, knowledge about the benefits, the, uh, I think as, as much as it's important to know the facts about the benefits, the one thing you have to know, you've got to set out either on a computer spreadsheet or on old-fashioned drawing paper and say, this is this is the, the company flow chart. This is the, the organizational chart. Yes. Yep. The, the the org chart from you know the you know grunts on the ground to the CEO. Once you're in big, you will be able to do that for each department. And probably what you'll find is you've got more ends, let's say, you know, with one of the pipelines, uh, the engineering department, tax and legal is where we're in, the other pipeline. We were in also, you know, general counsel, but marketing. So, so, so we know which departments within. So, so that's really kind of taking that niche and really focusing down to know, look, if somebody's retiring from the accounting department, we've got to be scratching our heads why we didn't get that client. So, so that, that's, that's where you want to take it down to inside a business, inside a department, to within the department of, of, of who's doing what. And you want to keep that information updated because it makes it great when you ask for referrals, when you ask for your clients to bring their coworkers, who are these people that are coming in, and, and that gives you kind of an overall um, inside knowledge on who are your advocates, who are people that maybe are advocating for some of your competitors, and how do you work around that, and how do you protect your clients from the competitors as well. So I want to make sure that you guys understand something he's saying here. You guys understand, he's built the organizational chart. Drew knows in every department what their names are, what their role is. He knows which are their clients. You're asking your clients in that department for referrals to their coworkers and to bring them to events. So, um, so I just, I, I want people to understand that's how myopic you get in this. That's how purposeful and very specific you work that niche. Yeah, exactly, and, and it works, you know, retirement parties, 
when we were able to have kind of big client events, just as Trevor said, you kind of get the old uh, old school gang getting back together, you know, uh, old home week. So, so basically, people that work together that hadn't seen each other since they retired, uh, they they you know kind of they interact with people that are still active. They'll talk about what's going on, et cetera. So, so that's that that's the level you want to build because then it becomes kind of a self fulfilling machine. Now you want to be uh, kind of spontaneous, but plan spontaneity with contacting these people. One of our niches, they had a 401k change. Uh, uh, the, the top people knew about it Friday. They told me they sent me the emails that I had set on it. So Monday, out of respect for them, Monday afternoon, we sent kind of a blast email to everybody in the organization saying, hey, we know you've had these 401k changes. Here's who it pertains to most specifically. If you're in this group, you know, give us a, a call and we'll tell you how these funds would impact your situation. And here's an overview. So, uh, you know, clients appreciate that. They'll pass, and, and, and by the way, the very last paragraph is most important. Also, as a favor to me, if you have other people in your department that you think might have questions about this, forward them this email with my contact information. So, so that that's the key to be able to give them something actionable. That if sometimes people want to refer you, they don't know how. This is a little bit of a nudge to say, hey, you know, this is where the information is, and and, and how to go get it. So one of the things I know about Drew that does really well, and, and it's, he just brought it to our attention, I'm just going to elaborate, is he's very good at coaching his clients on who he's looking for mm -hmm. and coaching them how to tell the story about him and how to get them to engage with Drew. And, and that's very important. We call that positioning. Very good at positioning himself to his clients so they know how to market for them. And there again, it makes it a lot easier, right, Drew? If it's inside a company and inside a certain department, you know, boom, 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 talk about that ladder we were talking about. Um, it makes it a lot easier then for them to look. When you've pretty much narrowed it down to, if there's 20 people in the department and you've got five of them as clients, hey guys, I need those other 15. Yeah, yeah, send this forward this along. It's non-threatening, which, which is a great way to get referrals. It's a very non-threatening thing. It's, so, so, you know, they know they're going to have a change. They know they may have questions about it in the department meeting. Uh, they, they will kind of go back and forth. So, it's, it's you always want to build on the success you have in the niche by looking for that next thing. So, so after you have the organizational chart, the key too is is kind of who who's going to be the successors. So, you know, once you get a two or three million dollar client, you know that's what that position compensates over time. You want to make sure you're positioned in a way that you get the guy or the woman that's moving up in the organization to fulfill that role. So a lot of times I'll just ask, hey, can I get an introduction to your replacement if I don't already know them? A lot of times we've gone so far to facilitate changes. You know, within these two organizations, I've had a lady move. We had a client that retired. His job came open. I knew it was going to happen. We kind of, you know, whispered in her ear. We were able to negotiate a great package for her. Uh, so she's forever thankful, loves it, worked out great, you know, and we know the continuity on the org chart, here's who's in these departments and this is where it will go. We will get, uh, and I'm sure Trevor had this too, once you're in an organization, you'll get kind of unsolicited referral or someone will show up on the phone, they want an appointment, and they come in. You know, obviously you want to always ask, who did, who did you work with? 
you'll kind of know by the department, but it's good to hear them because you may get a couple of names of people that aren't clients of yours yet, but they're advocating you. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Those people will be ones that get invitations to events, and it's probably just a matter of time before they become clients. Well, let's shift gears. That's great information. Let's talk about your niche in the industry of medical professionals. This could pertain to now we're moved on beyond a company, now it's more of a I'm working with physicians. So talk about how you got started in that and how you've been able to build up that niche. Well, kind of, you know, it's where, where do you, you know, rob banks, you go where the money is, you know, uh, you know, grow up in a small town, you know, who drives all the, you know, uh, German cars, they're all doctors, you know. Who drives all the pickup trucks? Well, it's, you know, the guys working in a coal mine. So, you know, you want to work with the doctors. So it became clear by cutting, studying the medical profession, not all doctors are compensated the same. Uh, and, you know, where you want to go is after you look at medical professionals, you want people that have either surgical privileges, and if you have those, you want people that own part of a surgery center because that's another stream of income. That's another way you can kind of get in with advice on the doctors. Uh, you know, that's where I found the real differentiating factor is. There's doctors that are kind of, you know, they have the allure of the return, but really you want to look at first, you know, physicians, typically you want them to own their own practice. Uh, you want them to have some type of surgical uh, privileges and or other entities, because that opens up a whole Pandora's box of tax planning opportunities that no one's really quite sat down and explain to them. Um, and then, obviously, you want to kind of focus from there where you can get your specialist. We have a lot of orthopedic surgeons. Uh, I've taught Brian how to do it. He's got, you know, his first one, but we followed the playbook and knew what to say. So, kind of going back to that self-ordained expert, a lot of it is knowing, you know, when to say amen and when to ask for the amen. Mm -hmm. and, and the doctors realize, you know, who really knows what they're doing versus who's talking about it. Now, the other part in the physician world is now you have a lot of what I call captive physicians, that they're hospital-owned or, or they're just kind of regular employees that happen to be doctors. We really don't have much experience there because they can put money back in a 401k plan and that's about it. So we focus our niche on the ones that own their own business where there's tax planning availability there to help really basically, you know, justify your, your advice fee. They also have investable assets that would be their own retirement plan, their personal money, and with these other entities, each one of those entities is an opportunity to go get other professionals. You know, uh, surgery centers have multiple partners. Uh, they, they all talk, you know, what are you doing? Are you deferring this income? What can you do? So you want to identify where the opportunity is and then really think through with the end in mind of, okay, who do you want to be sitting across the table from because where is the money coming from? So, you know, I would say anybody that wants to be focused on physicians, you really want to be focused on the people that have other incomes coming in uh, through either, you know, facilities, labs, uh, surgery centers, radiology. Uh, that's where you can do your most work. And obviously, the proofs of the pudding, those are the ones that make the most money. Right. So what Drew is articulating here, um, and he's using the physician market to get down to it, is, hey, your niche needs to be lucrative. Or lucrative enough by your standards. 
And, you know, we, we had uh, Bob, Bonfilio, Bob Bonfilio talk about this earlier uh, on a different segment. And, you know, that, that's a key factor here. You may love working with this profession, but if it's going to bring down your average GDC or AUM per client, I'm not saying don't do that, but I don't know if that needs to be a niche either. And so Drew just gave a great example of how to assess, in this case, physicians, but you need to look at your niche and look at those same factors to see what's within that niche. Is there something, you know, or a segment I need to work with? Well, you know, and a great start, if you want to get into this, and, you know, we're not in an urban area. Uh, and, and, and so I know we're the third largest city in Kentucky, but that's like saying you're the tallest, um, you know, munchkin in the Wizard of Oz original cast. So that doesn't mean much, but, but when you're in a bigger city, you know, if you want to get into physicians, start at the medical school level. Because not all these kids will have student debt. Obviously, some will, and some will be you know, kind of insurmountable. Mm -hmm. But there will be kids in those classes that don't have any student debt. They're making sixty to $70,000 a year uh, in the, you know, I think, intern space or uh, when they're in their rotation. Uh, going through medical school, and that's when you can kind of get your relationship. You know, um, I'd say my FVP will fall out of his chair when he gets our reports next week, but I told a disability policy last week. So, you know, who needs a $16,000 a month disability policy? A new doctor. A new doctor, yeah. So, so you've got, you know, that's the type of niche you can get into, and in an urban area, that would be who you want to get in with is, is, is at the medical school level, you know, before they go out kind of make their final years. If you can kind of show them some good tax planning, it's probably going to be the last years they're ever going to be able to do a Roth. You know, that's, that's like, that's what opened the whole deal with these boys is, hey, you're not going to be able to do a Roth forever. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, you're, here's the rule. Mm -hmm. You know, so you start there, you're willing to, one, Kind of have a lost leader with that Roth IRA, but also what you're doing is you're getting a 26 to 28 year old person into your practice that you know is going to make more than 400,000 a year for you know lifetime value of client for 40 years. And guys, we all have clients that are 80 years old with two million bucks, but you know tomorrow's not guaranteed anyway. So if you can kind of buff up the back of the book with those up and comers, it's just like stocking up on draft picks. So, I mean, you're going to have a great opportunity sometime, and, and, and they'll pay you a financial planning fee. They need insurance. So they need a lot of products that we offer early on that makes it worth to kind of go after that niche even a little bit deeper. Right. Well, I can just tell you, for those of you who were concerned earlier about your taking off the shirt, he's actually pretty dang smart. So um, so that was good. Good good, <laughs> good that you, you, you brought us some insights there. John, it, it, any any follow-up on, on what you heard from Drew there before we go to our, our final guest here? I think a, a great way for uh, takeaway for everyone is just the level of targeting Drew's been able to go to of, of not just knowing I want people from this organization, but getting to know the organization, who's in what spot, who are we not working with in this department. I think that's a good learning for everyone that there's there's always another level to go to. And I think for anyone, if you think you've gone far enough, think again. There's another, there's there's next levels to go to, there's more you can do, there's more ways to get access. So those really awesome insights, Drew. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff.